All right. Good morning, church. Good morning. Hey, all the technology works. That's a good start, right? <laughs> okay. So to get things started, um, why don't uh, I ask you guys to stand in honor of God's word, and we will read Galatians 4, 22 through 28. Again, that's uh, Galatians 4, 22 through 28. We'll be talking about um, uh, Isaac today, uh, and of course, along with that goes Abraham and Sarah. So, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. Let us pray. Lord, we pray this day that we would make much of you. We pray at this time, Lord, that you would release your spirit uh, through your words, that you would release your spirit into the church. We would understand what your will for us is this day. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So, as it turns out, we are the children of promise. We'll talk about that uh, today in terms of what that means and... We'll do that by looking at uh, Isaac, which of course means looking at uh, Abraham and Sarah and uh, the immaculate birth that came along with that. Um, we'll pick up and look at some of the same kinds of things that Tucker talked about last week and how the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what comes in the now and in the, the New Testament. Uh, I like to call it picking up the lens of the Old Testament and looking at ourselves through that lens. Um, as we talked about, Isaac is the child of promise. Now, it's not surprising that the other child of promise is Jesus Christ. We all know that he's pretty much the point of everything, and he is the only way uh, to salvation. So... Um, why don't we go ahead and get started, and we'll look at uh, who Abraham was. So, nothing like the Word of God. We will start with Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whom dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, 
and Lot with him, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So God spoke to Abraham. Uh, if you're familiar with this context, somewhat out of the blue. And what we see here is a pattern that will be, uh, we'll examine again and again. The word of God came and Abraham immediately obeyed. This is a very important theme for today. If we look at Genesis 12 and 13, there's a couple other times where the word of God comes as Abraham is moving around um, in what uh, would become uh, Israel. But let's go ahead and skip forward to um, Genesis 15, 1 through 6, where we begin to see um, some more aspects of God's plan. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, and your reward will be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and the number of stars, if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So this is the work that Abraham did. He believed. He heard the word of God, and he believed. This is always the first step. The word of the Lord comes first. Uh, God's plan begins to reveal, and we need to listen and obey. This is the fourth time that God had promised Abraham uh, offspring and a great nation. It's the first time that he specifically said, you will have an heir through your body. Uh, we see that Abraham questioned God. Now, he did it with the right attitude with humility uh, because there was no negative consequences as we've seen in other places in the Bible where people question God. He just truly didn't understand. He's like, well, come on, God, I'm, I'm 75. I'm not exactly a young man anymore and I haven't seen any kids, right? So how does that happen? In other words, Abraham, and we'll see here next, Sarah, they're looking at the situation through the eyes of the flesh through the physical, uh, what they understand. They're not looking at God's plan with God's eyes. So they can't see the majesty of God's plan. The other thing that's very important for us to understand is uh, very early, Abraham believed God. It says very clearly, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, this is, you know, um, a sort of uh, faith, if you will. Faith can be described as the act of a believer believing, then belief is important. The other thing that's interesting is Abraham believed before any of the covenants were established. That's what we'll look at next. Um, so uh, it's a fairly common story, but in uh, chapter 15, it talks through the covenant that 
um, God made with Abraham. And God made the covenant so that Abraham would understand his promises are true. He basically gave Abraham something to relate to. Um, the covenant at this time was basically a binding agreement. You know, today we would have said he broke out the lawyers, wrote up a contract, signed it, you know, something along those lines. The other thing that's interesting if you look through this passage is who did all the work, right? God did all the work. God basically did everything in the creation of the covenant. Uh, Abraham was there and believed and he did very, uh, very little except that. All right, now the next section that we will read is Genesis 16, one through four. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Cana. Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she, she conceived, she looked at her mistress with contempt. Uh-oh. Uh, what we see here is uh, Sarah getting a little impatient. She knew that God's plan was uh, children through Abraham, but as of yet, we hadn't necessarily heard anything about Sarah. So what Sarah did here is kind of help God's plan along, and that never works out well, right? I mean, what it says is it immediately went wrong, right? When we try and make God's plan our own and change it and tweak it and modify it so that it makes sense to us, because let's not be too hard on Sarah. She's 75, and she hasn't had kids. Again, she's looking at the world through her own eyes, and she doesn't understand what God has in mind for them. So she's trying to help God along instead of waiting on the Lord. You could also say that this is an example of, you know, works without uh, faith. She's trying to do something without understanding what God wants her to do. So let's make sure that we're not too hard on Sarah, right? We've all done this. I know I have, where you kind of help God's plan along based on your own limited understanding. Doesn't work, right? What we need to do is wait for God, wait for his understanding to be revealed to us particularly in this COVID crazy world, we need to wait on the Lord. We need to uh, be still and listen for what he has for us. Now, let's jump out of order just a little bit, just so we understand a little bit of the God that we uh, have and how full he is of grace and mercy. 
So the very next time the Bible brings up Sarah, this is what is said. Genesis 17, 15, and 16. Uh, and God said to Abraham, As for Sarah your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Immediately after she doesn't listen to God and does the wrong thing, the next thing we hear about is the grace and mercy that God has for his daughter, Sarah. This is the God that we serve, who's full of grace and mercy for us. All right, let's get back to uh, Abraham and the establishment of the covenant of circumcision. So just, you know, context, this would be 24 years after uh, God called Abram to, um, to move and to uh, leave his land. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared uh, to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I might make my covenant between me and you and may greatly multiply you. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you with your offsprings after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations. This is my covenant that you shall keep between me and you, your and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. All right, so if we look at that passage yet again, God is the one who is uh, doing all the work. Look at the, you know, the declarative statements. Uh, God is saying what will happen, right? He's issuing uh, commands to Abraham. Now, when you're dealing with God, the great news for us is when he issues the commands, he enables those things to happen. So when God's word is spoken, it happens. Now, let's talk a little bit about what Abraham didn't do. Okay? So, what Abraham didn't do is delay. It says in a later uh, passage that that very day he circumcised himself, Ishmael, and all of his male people. Right? So, he didn't wait around. He didn't say, hey, let, let, let's, hey, easy God, let's pray about this. You know, come and, you know, think about what he's asking you to do if you've never heard this before, right? He also didn't complain, right? He didn't say, you want me to do what? Really? 
They just did it. He didn't try and change God's plan. Like, hey, how about a nice earring? Yeah, earring. Earring's good, right? Not, not this other business. So what God did with Abraham, he spoke his word, and that very day, he listened and obeyed. We starting to pick up this theme about Abraham. God's word is spoken. Abraham listened and obeyed. When we hear a word from God, we need to learn just to say yes and obey. All right, on to Genesis 18, 9 through 15. And they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door uh, behind him. Now, uh, Abraham and Sarah were old, advancing in years. The way of the women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid, saying, no, but you did. All right, so this is the sixth time that God had promised Abraham and Sarah uh, a son, and the first time that Sarah was clearly included in the message. There's a very specific time. Now let's take a look at what we know about God's plan with Abraham and Sarah up to, to this date. So it's been 24 years from when God first spoke to Abraham to this point, and now he knows, okay, next year I'm gonna have a son. So that's 25 years, just to put that in context. Now, let's look at why God did it this way. So let me ask you a question. Uh, you got Abraham, who's 99, and you got uh, Sarah, who's 89. Would there have been anything remarkable about a 20-year-old Sarah popping out a kid? You know, the point here is, here's the example, church. The flesh needs to die before the child of promise can come. This is the example. This is the allegory that we have. Uh, we must die to ourselves before the adoptive process of Jesus Christ works and we can become the children of promise. We'll examine that more a little bit later, but that's what we see here. That's one of the main points that we've got. The other, um, if we bounce to the New Testament and look very briefly at the story of Lazarus, right? So just to set this up, you know, uh, they told Jesus that Lazarus, his good friend, was dying, and he waited around two days. You know, that doesn't sound right. So well, what does Jesus say about that? So if we look at John 11, verse 4, 
But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then on uh, verse 14 and 15, then Jesus told them plainly, because they weren't really getting what Jesus was saying. He had to kind of pick up the shovel and hit him in the head to get the point across. Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. The point here is God does miracles to help us with our unbelief and so that he may be glorified. That is the point of Isaac's birth in this way. The flesh had died and only God could do it. And for 4,000 years, God has been glorified through this story of the miraculous birth of Isaac. So when we get to the actual birth itself, right? This is in Genesis 21, 1 through 7. Uh, see what you think. It's a little anticlimactic to me, but it picks up again later. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? And yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So I guess we shouldn't be terribly surprised when God does exactly what he says he's going to do. I think that's the message. I think that's why it's done very simply. It just says that God always honors his promises. Now, this is where it really gets hard, people. So, Abraham has been waiting 25 years, and he finally got a son. The son continues to grow and get strong. Doesn't really tell us when exactly, how old Isaac is when uh, they head to the mountain. But Isaac is big enough and old enough to carry the firewood for uh, the sacrifice, so it's not a stick or two of wood. We just keep the math easy, calling 20 years old. So God has been waiting uh, for Isaac or been working with God for 45 years. I'm, of course, talking about when uh, God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son. So let's read the first passage. Genesis 22, 1 through 3. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac, 
and he cut the wood for the uh, burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. People, this is heaven. We read the story a lot, and I'm not sure that we spend the time to think about what it means. I mean, just think about what is the most precious thing in your life? Are you willing to give it to God? Abraham did. Do you think he slept that night? Do you think he understood God's plan? I don't. But I think he heard the word of the Lord clearly, and he listened and obeyed. So, um, we're all fairly familiar with the story. Um, God called him up on the mountain. He uh, was ready to sacrifice Isaac, you know, knife in hand, basically ready to do the act, and God stomped him. So let's read that passage. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and uh, the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So we all are blessed because of the obedience of Abraham. We are all blessed to have this example that is out there in the Old Testament to see how we are to behave. And we are blessed by the example that God gives us to foreshadow the fact that Jesus Christ is coming. The other point that we see again and again here is uh, the word of God comes and Abraham obeys. We see that Abraham has faith and works. So let us read James 2, 21 and 24. He says it a lot better than I could. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the offer? You see that faith was active along with his works and Faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So we see so many things here that God gives uh, Abraham these tests, these challenges, and all he does 
through word and deed is say, yes, Lord. He listens and obeys. So let us use this example for our own lives. Do we have faith? Good. Do we have works? Even better. If we don't have works, do we have faith? I'm not intended to raise guilt in anyone. Guilt is something that just tears down and it is not of God. And in Jesus Christ, there is no guilt anymore. But conviction, conviction does have power. Conviction is God working in you, showing you the things that he wants to change, that he wants to work on. If you are feeling convicted of these things, that is God's Spirit working in you to transform you into something that He wants. So I would encourage you, church, allow the Spirit of God to work in your life. Deal with the conviction and follow God's plan the way that Abraham does. All right. So Isaac foreshadows Christ. Given the, you know, uh, let's look at some of the parallels and the similarities. His only son. They're carrying uh, wood up to a hill, the sacrifice. So now what I want to show and get back to the beginning is, okay, so how is it exactly that we become the children of promise? So Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if you, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So this brings us back to Galatians. We become the children of promise through the adoption of Christ. So if we have accepted Christ as our personal savior, then we become heirs with Christ. I don't know if you guys find that exciting or not, but it thrills me. I mean, heirs of Christ, that's what it says right here in the Bible. That's beautiful stuff. Galatians uh, 3.25 through 29. Just to try and drive this point home. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized in Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs, according to the promise. 
This is the promise of God before the law, before anything else happened. It was God's promise to Abraham. So what do we see? We see that the flesh must die before the children of promise must come. This is why Sarah was too old to have kids, because the flesh had to die. Isaac died symbolically through the offer of sacrifice. This is to foreshadow what Jesus did for us uh, much later. And Jesus died for us. The hard part is we must die to ourselves so that we may live for Jesus. We must pick up our own cross and follow after Jesus. So let us review the order of events for Abraham. We're always pretty similar. The word of God came. God revealed his plan in the covenant, circumcision, foreshadowing of the cross. And let us pay special attention to the response of Abraham. We have the alignment of faith and works to say, yes, Lord. To say, God, your plan is better than my plan. I will follow after you. I will put your plan first. So what's that mean for us? What it means for us, we need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time with God. We need to develop that relationship. We need to listen for God's plan. What is God's plan in your life? What is God's plan in my life? He'll tell you. Now, He may not tell you now, he may not tell you next week, right? We just saw a story where it was 25 years from the initial conversation until it happened. So wait for God's plan. I promise you, church, it's going to be much better than you ever anything that we could ever come up with. If we will just have the patience and wait for God's strength and God's plan. So what we need to do is to respond like Abraham with faith and works to say yes, Lord, in our own life and put his plan first.